Welcome to the Resilient Mind Podcast. I'm Sam Bowler, and I'll be your co-host along with my wife, Natalie. Natalie is a licensed professional counselor in Nashville, Tennessee. She works primarily with survivors of complex trauma and specializes in dissociative disorders. The Resilient Mind is a platform for us and our guests to play our part in the bigger conversation around mental health. Specifically, we would like to raise awareness and understanding of complex trauma and dissociative disorders. So, whether you're a survivor yourself or you just stumbled upon this podcast, welcome to the conversation. We're glad you're here. Last episode, I asked you what you would say to the person who says, why go into the past and dig up all these old traumas and old memories? Why shouldn't we just leave the past in the past? And one of the things that maybe would be a natural follow-up to that question is, how long is this going to take? Can you speak to that a little bit? I think that's a really common thing that people say when they come into therapy, especially people who are new to therapy and aren't sure what the process looks like. And it really, um, it's hard to say. There's not a specific formula for what therapy looks like or how long it takes. I think we all wish that we could get everything over within a month of therapy or so and not have to deal with any of those things again. But um, depending on your experiences, sometimes it can take a long time. Other times people move through it a little bit more quickly. But everybody's process is really unique to them, maybe unique to your individual experiences. Do you ever think you're done with therapy? I don't. I think that sometimes people take a break from therapy, but personally in my own life, I know that certain things come up, whether it's I'm struggling in my relationship or um, if I have some sort of situational issue going on or if things from the past are popping up in a new way. So I myself still go to therapy. So you consider it more of a lifelong process in terms of there are always going to be things that you feel like you can work on. That is how I view it for myself. And I don't want anybody to hear, oh, no, I'm going to be in therapy for the rest of my life because that's not what I mean by that. Um, I think people move through trauma experiences and recovery at different rates and Um, that sort of thing. And it's not like you will need to be in weekly therapy for the rest of your life. For example, I take breaks and sometimes when I feel like I need to go to therapy, I go back and maybe revisit issues that I'm seeing in a new way or new issues that have come up. How can people know that they're making progress in therapy? That's difficult. And I think maybe, I believe it's Richard Clough that has said there's a difference between getting better and feeling better. And sometimes the recovery process doesn't always feel better. So sometimes people are coming into therapy really numb, 
possibly knowing about experiences that they had in the past that were traumatic, but not really having access to a full range of emotions. People may be highly dissociated, may be able to talk about what happened, but in a very flat way. And so part of the therapy process might be you're actually feeling your feelings more. You may be crying more than you were. You may start to feel angry. You might start to experience a whole range of emotions that can be painful at times. And that's actually a sign of progress, not that things are getting worse. Okay, so there is a process that is difficult, but um, you're still going to have a sense of, okay, like, like you, would you say that maybe going from numb to feeling very emotional could in theory be a sign that you're actually doing some difficult work? Potentially. And, and when you say very emotional, if you're feeling flooded, that's actually, when I say flooded, it means like emotionally overwhelmed all the time. That is not good. And that is a sign that you maybe need to talk to your therapist about slowing the process down a little bit because you should not be feeling in a week's time emotional seven days out of that week. Okay. And you wanted to talk more about kind of the importance of going more slowly when doing this kind of work. Can you get into that a little bit? Yes, I think that's really important um, because a lot of times people, so people can come in very avoidant of talking about their trauma or people can come in and say, let's just like get all of this out as quickly as possible. I just want to get this over with. I want to do it now. And um I think we have to be careful, and this is something that um, actually spoken with Lynette Danilchuk about, and we have to be careful because this can actually mimic what it feels like to experience trauma. So trauma survivors are often used to trauma happening and them having to hang on for dear life and just endure through it, not being able to take a break, not being able to say, hold on, let's pause. And I'm really overwhelmed right now. Of course, we don't have that option when we're experiencing trauma. And so we need to have the experience of this time you are not alone. You have the presence of a compassionate therapist alongside you. You want to be able to feel the presence of that person with you. You want to know you're in the here and now, not back there and then. So you shouldn't feel like you're re-experiencing the trauma again as if it's happening right now. You want to know that today you have the ability to say, hold on a second, let's pause here. I'm getting really overwhelmed and I need to take a break. This is too much for me. Then you and your therapist can take a break and talk about any random thing that you like. Maybe you're talking about dogs. Maybe you're talking about the weather, maybe an upcoming vacation. But you get to take time, get grounded, and orient to the present. And this kind of leads into the window of tolerance. And what is the window of tolerance? The window of tolerance is a term that and concept that Dan Siegel came up with. And basically what that is, is we have this window and space within which we are able to feel our emotions, be oriented to the present, 
and not get so overwhelmed that we feel like we're drowning in our emotions and not feeling completely numb. And so what I'm actually referring to is what some people call hyperarousal. So that would mean you're outside of your window of tolerance in a way where you're feeling flooded, emotionally overwhelmed. You just feel like you can't take the emotion that's coming at you. You may feel like you're re-experiencing the trauma again. And then hyperarousal is you're outside of your window of tolerance, but in a very numb, flat way. That's like hy- hypo arousal, correct? Or is it, I tell you to get that backwards. It is hypo. Hypo. Yes, so the, the more numb is hypo. Okay. Yes. Just wanted to make sure. And so hypoarousal, um, that a lot of times is when people report like, I don't feel anything right now, or I don't feel my body, those sort of things. And so what we're looking for in therapy is to get to a place where you can feel at a place where you feel safe enough to push the limits a little bit on your emotions, but not get completely flooded and overwhelmed and not get so overwhelmed that you are feeling absolutely nothing. How important is, and I know you've talked to me about this before, but how important is the relationship um, and like the trust level uh, between the client and the therapist to, to this safety and being able to kind of go forward in this? I think it's one of the most important parts of therapy. That's why I think it's so important to find somebody who's a good fit for you. Um, I think it's very important to know that you can say, I'm overwhelmed and I need to pause here. Um, For example, with my clients, I'll often come up with a verbal and nonverbal way to say, stop, pause. That communicates to me that the person is overwhelmed and needs a break. And I think with, for trauma survivors too, sometimes um, sometimes we struggle with boundaries and being able to say to a person that we're viewing in an authority position, hold on, wait, I need to slow down. This makes me too uncomfortable. I feel like I'm outside of my window of tolerance. And so that's why I add that nonverbal piece. So if you don't feel comfortable saying to me, stop, pause, you can show me a way that you can say stop pause. Okay. And that seems like really uh with your approach to therapy as a counselor, you put that safety and, you know, ability to communicate those things number one before you kind of get into anything else. Is that is that true? Does yes. Like I that? think that's I think that's extremely important Safety is my number one priority, and with trauma therapy, I do think it should be everybody's priority, and um, when I say everybody's priority, I mean all trauma therapists, but if there's not safety and you don't feel comfortable enough in the relationship, you can be pushed into doing things that you don't want to do or into spending a lot of time doing things that don't feel like they work for you. And then you're in some ways re-experiencing a pattern from your past most likely. So I think it's very important to feel able to talk with your therapist about what's working, what's not working. I really like a collaborative approach. 
I like a collaborative approach because then I'm not the authority figure. I really don't want to take on that role in therapy. We're working together to find creative ways to help you through different things that you've experienced, the symptoms you're struggling with, so that you feel like you have agency and um, a part in what is happening in your treatment. Perfect. Okay. That all makes sense. Um, I know there are a few other um, kind of areas you wanted to get into uh, that relate to this. Can you um, speak to some of those and, and, you know, more specifically dive into that? Well, and trauma therapy is not a race and it's certainly not a sprint. Try to give yourself time and patience. After all that you've been through, you deserve to have a compassionate stance towards yourself and not to rush yourself through this process. And we really don't want you to have an experience of being re-traumatized again, which can happen. Um, and I think that's that's very important to take it slow. And I run a group for people with complex trauma and dissociative disorders. And a common topic that can come up is how long is this going to take? And I think everybody's process looks different. It's not uncommon if you have a dissociative disorder, specifically DID, for it to take years in therapy. And that doesn't mean that you're not moving fast enough or that you're failing at therapy or that it's not working. In fact, it often means you're exactly where you need to be. Going too fast can just result in flooding and emotional overwhelm. Um, you get burnout too quickly and you might want to quit therapy and run away and that doesn't really help you all that much. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, it a lot of times results in a feeling of defeat and exhaustion. I think another important point is trying not to compare yourself to other people because everybody has their own unique experiences and everybody's process takes a different amount of time. So try and respect your process. If you experience years and years of horrific neglect, abuse, trauma, as a child or as an adult, it's going to take time. And you deserve that time. You, de you deserve whatever time it takes you to heal. And when you find yourself trying to sprint ahead and when you find yourself trying to sprint ahead in therapy, remind yourself of a phrase that Richard Cleft often uses, the slower, the, the slower you go, the faster you get there. And just know that slow is actually fast. So before we wrap up this topic, what would you say to uh, somebody who has been to therapy for years and felt like it was not working for them and they haven't found a therapist who feels like a good match for them, and they haven't found a therapist who feels safe, and they feel kind of dejected. How do you try to go into a new therapeutic relationship or even an old one that you've already been seeing and approach it in a way that keeps these things in mind? That is actually something that I encounter quite often, People um, who have dissociative disorders that have spent years in therapy 
where maybe they have an undiagnosed dissociative disorder, and so that issue is not really being treated, or, um, you know, there are all sorts of situations that can make therapy not work out. I think definitely in those situations, establishing safety and talking about the relationship is really, really important for a person to be able to talk about what is coming up emotionally for them within the relationship, I think is extremely important. Um, And I try to validate that that is incredibly frustrating and difficult to have the experience of going to somebody or maybe multiple somebodies for help and not getting the help that you need. And so I want you to know that it is possible for you to heal. It is possible for you to get help. I do want to touch very briefly on the idea of it is also important for you to have some level of responsibility in your treatment. And so try and find a therapist that you can join with and collaborate with and work together with to find what will work for you. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Mind. We will see you next Monday. 